Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Friends, Father Frank Cavone here, National Director of Priests for Life. Welcome to Pro-Life Primetime. It's a double header tonight. I had my 8 o'clock Praying for America program and now our nine o'clock pro-life prime time. Uh, a lot of times Janet is on during this slot, but uh, I, uh, I, I want to get on as much as possible uh, as well. And uh, here we are. We're able to be here tonight. You know, uh, tonight's Halloween, of course. I've been noticing, I don't know if you've noticed, though, an awful lot of uh, social media posts um, from different Catholic speakers and authors and clergy about uh, Halloween this year and right and wrong ways of celebrating. And of course, the word hallow in Halloween, we use it multiple times a day when we say the Our Father. Hallowed be thy name. Halloween, hallow evening, the evening of All Hallows, All Holy Day, All Saints Day, November 1st. So the eve of All Saints Day, of course, is the origin of this term and of the uh, festivities, some of which have, yeah, many of which have gone off into uh, not just secular, but really um, uh, just sort of weird spiritual stuff. But we simply reclaim it as the Vigil of All Saints Day. In fact, we have this new booklet, In the Company of His Saints, Asking the Intercession of the Saints to Save the Unborn. This is the sixth in the series of pro-life prayer booklets that I've written over these uh, recent years. And uh, I have a seventh one in mind, too, called In the Freedom of His Kingship. And that'll be uh, political and patriotic prayers uh, to end abortion. And uh, that one is not written yet, although many of the prayers that I'll put in there have been written, like the election prayer that uh, we're in the middle of uh, the novena for now. It's nine days if you count today and election day. It's nine days till the end of election day. And um, and so I, I urge you to go to electionprayer.com to during these days to pray that that election prayer, which we have been saying for the last eight weeks. We started, remember, on September 1st with nine-week period of prayer between then and the elections. And we encourage you to promote this among your pro-life groups, parishes, of course, within your family, electionprayer.com. You'll see it there in English and in Spanish. You'll be able to order the prayer cards. But tonight I want to start out with a little prayer from this book in the company of his saints on this, again, this eve of All Saints Day. And I don't know if you've heard of a blessed Miguel Pro, but he's one of the patron saints of the pro-life movement. He died in 1927. His feast day is in November. He was a Jesuit priest. He secretly ministered to the Mexican Catholics who were under persecution. He was martyred by a firing squad while shouting, Viva Cristo Rey, long live Christ the King. Let's say this prayer in uh, his honor. Father of life, we thank you for the example of the life and death of the priest, Blessed Miguel Pro. He was willing to minister to those who were being persecuted. He was willing to risk his life to bring the life of Christ to others. Like your son Jesus, he knew betrayal and false accusations. And as he died, he proclaimed 
Jesus to be the King of all. We ask through His intercession as a patron saint of the pro-life movement that all who take risks and suffer persecution for defending the unborn may stand strong against all opposition and may let no enemy intimidate them. Inspire all of us to make the sacrifices that are required each day to speak up for and to defend our brothers and sisters in the womb. In Jesus' name, amen. Blessed Miguel Pro, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, friends, so uh, this weekend is not only the weekend before Election Day, it is the culmination of the 40 Days for Life fall campaign. The first campaign after the end of Roe v. Wade. I said at the various kickoff rallies for this year's fall campaign at which I spoke, that this needed to be the biggest and best of the campaigns that have ever been held. We'll see at the end of it what the statistics are. But I certainly hope that it is uh, and has been among the strongest. I know that many of you participate in the various uh, pre uh, prayer vigils. But uh, the reason that this needs to be one of the strongest showings uh, is precisely because the court put back into our hands, the hands of the people, uh, the ability to shape abortion policy. It was severely limited, if not fully restricted, by Roe v. Wade, which made it a matter for activist judges to decide. Uh, but now, being back in the hands of the people, the people have to speak up. The people have to show up. The people have to uh, be a witness to what they really think about the need to protect these babies. I'll be speaking at some of the closing rallies uh, for 40 Days for Life. Uh, I'll be in, um, let's see, in, uh, well, I'm, first of all, I'm speaking Friday night in Ohio at a pro-life uh, event. And then Saturday, I'll be going to South Carolina, speaking at a closing 40 Days for Life event there. Uh, I travel together with uh, Matt Britton, who's the uh, general counsel for 40 Days for Life. We have known each other for many years. And then um, uh, from there, I'll be heading to, uh, be heading to Atlanta, Georgia uh, for uh, 40 Days for Life uh, 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 closing vigil there as well. We pray for all those 40 Days sites there in Atlanta. Uh, you know, we have to pray for... The wisdom of the churches, I know that uh, there's a pregnancy center in Atlanta that is uh, closely allied to the Atlanta Archdiocese, and they also help with one of these 40 days vigils. Uh, well, you know, sometimes it's a good thing uh, when uh, these dioceses get involved. Sometimes um, there's not so much wisdom there, and, uh, you know, the institution serves us. It's supposed to serve us. Sometimes the institution tends to stifle, and that's not a good thing. This is a movement that's got to be able to stand on its own, and it can stand on its own with the power of the Spirit working through you, the people. You were you were baptized. You and I received the Holy Spirit in baptism. We received the Holy Spirit in confirmation. He brings us together. We encourage one another, just like we're doing here uh, on these programs. And, uh, and that's how these movements succeed. So only if an institution is going to foster 
the courage, the activism, the presence of people out on the streets and at the abortion mills, the vigor of the people of God, only if the two institutions are going to foster that uh, should they be getting anywhere near uh, these kinds of initiatives. And always recognizing it's a work of the people guided by the Holy Spirit. Um, but as soon as they try to control or stifle, they got to get out of the way. Um, if you have questions, if you have comments, uh, let's do that. And let me see if uh, one of the, uh, okay, give me your questions, give me your comments, and then we'll uh, get to some of them before we, uh, before we conclude. But I wanted to share with you, I'm going to go over to the whiteboard, because I want to share with you some, uh, some news of the effects of the Dobbs case, the reversal of Roe v. Wade. Let's take a look at some new statistics that have come out. So this uh, was reported in uh, actually a New York Times story. 10,000 lives saved because of the reversal of Roe v. Wade, lives of unborn babies, from when the decision came out in Dobbs on June 24th to the end of August. Now, let me say a word about abortion statistics. Usually they don't come out so quickly. There's a new group, apparently, that's begun collecting them. But abortion statistics are usually a couple of years behind the reality. The Centers for Disease Control has a somewhat inefficient way of, uh, an inaccurate way of getting these statistics because they rely on the reporting, which is not mandatory, from the states, from the departments of health. And what the state that does the most abortions, California, doesn't report, uh, together with a couple of other areas. So those numbers are always very low and they lag behind. And even the Allen Guttmacher Institute, which goes and gets the numbers from the abortion facilities, also lags behind. But here we have some quick statistics from this organization called We Count led by the Society of Family Planning. Now, the group is in favor of uh, legal abortion, uh, but nevertheless, you know, we can use their, their, uh, their numbers. If they're going to go out and get these numbers, that's helpful. We count. Good. I hope they keep doing that. We need to have uh, as many numbers as we can in terms of what's actually going on with abortion in our country. But let me break this down for you um, a little bit more. And actually, what we have seen is um, that you got about 13 states where the abortions went down to practically zero because they started protecting the babies all the way from the beginning of their lives. And so these are states where either there were pre-existing laws or they kicked into high gear right away after Dobbs and said, okay, we're going to do exactly what the court said we can do. We're going to legislate on abortion and we're going to protect these babies. So you had about 13 states where the abortions went down to zero. You had about another nine states which had um, more protection for the unborn than they had before, not total protection. And the abortions there went down to about a third of what they were before. All told, resulting in some 22,000 less abortions in those states. So why are we saying 10,000 lives were saved? Well, because you have other states, Democrat-run states, 
where they said, come to us to have abortions. Come to us. And about 12,000 abortions came to them, apparently. They went up in abortions in those states. So you take the difference and you see about 10,000 lives were saved. One of the things this shows, by the way, is that abortion, in the minds of those who, who are inclined to have one, is not one of these absolute decisions for which somebody will crawl over broken glass, despite all obstacles, and do it no matter what anybody says or how anybody tries to stop them. That's not what the abortion decision is. It is what you call, and don't, under, don't misunderstand the word, it's a marginal decision. In other words, it's on the margins of one's determination. People who, who, who go to get abortions are ambivalent. Ambivalent. And lots of things, even very small things, can change their minds. That's why it's so important, like we were saying a moment ago, with the 40 Days for Life and other prayer vigils at abortion facilities, for people to go out there and just stand there, even if you don't say anything. You don't have to know how to enter into some big discussion or debate about the topic, but just to be there as a presence that can be the very sign that somebody is praying for on the morning of her abortion, saying, Lord, if you don't want me to do this, send somebody to tell me to stop. And you go there, and that's their sign to stop. I know people who've turned away from having abortions because they got lost on the way to the abortion facility. That's all it took. A wrong turn. They went left instead of right, and they got lost. No, no, they're not going to crawl over broken glass to do whatever they need to do to get that abortion. They are ambivalent. And most of them do not want to be lawbreakers. We know that from the women of Silent No More have had abortions, have repented, and they say, I would have never broken the law. If it were illegal, I wouldn't have done it. I would have found a way. 10,000 women found a way. And we'll continue to help them, won't we? Let me go back over here, go into something else. Um, Ah, oh, something else that I had for you here. Uh, this is live, by the way. Hi, Cheryl. Uh, this is live here tonight. Sometimes I end up taping, you know, I end up taping my programs, especially if I'm traveling or uh, I've got other meetings or stuff that going on at night. Um, but 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 again, I I love coming on live, and as I said, make make uh, uh, make uh, your questions and comments known. Let me know where you're from. Let me know your prayer intentions too. We'll say a little prayer of blessing uh, there at the end uh, as we finish. Oh, yeah, the amendments. So you know with the election coming up a week from tomorrow, besides the importance of candidates, we have got key amendments in various states dealing with abortion. And I want to mention one of them that, that, that deserves uh, a yes vote, a pro-life um, uh, effort, is in Kentucky. It's called Amendment 2. So if you're in Kentucky or you know people in Kentucky, urge them to vote for Amendment 2. Vote yes. And this is what um, we are going to uh, hear about this. A couple of senators today. Um, put out some explanations of this amendment. They said voters have an opportunity to affirm in Kentucky unequivocally that there is no 
inherent constitutional right to abortion in the Constitution of Kentucky. The amendment says, straightforwardly, to protect human life, nothing in this Constitution shall be construed to secure or protect a right to abortion or require the funding of abortion. You see what they're trying to do? They're trying to protect their Constitution. Don't put abortion in the Constitution. You want abortion to be legal? Well, then elect the people who agree with you and they'll make the laws. Any laws that are passed have to correspond to the Constitution. Whether you're talking about a federal level to correspond to the federal Constitution or state laws to correspond to the state Constitution. What this amendment says is let's not start putting abortion in the Constitution. Again, you want to have make it legal? Well, you have to persuade. Do it the, do it the hard way. Do it the mature way. Persuade. Vote. Lobby. Debate. Vote. Again, vote on the laws. So that's what Amendment 2 is in Kentucky. Now, of course, there's three very bad and pro-abortion amendments floating around out there. One in California, Proposition 1. One in Michigan, Proposal 3. One in Vermont, Proposal 5. Those are no votes. Those you got to say no to. People in California vote down that Proposition 1. These would do the opposite. Instead of keeping abortion out of their state constitutions, these this proposition in California, the two proposals in uh, Michigan and Vermont, they would put it into the Constitution. <laughs> Bad stuff, because then existing pro-life laws could be easily struck down, and new pro-life laws couldn't be passed, because, again, you can't pass a law that's contrary to the Constitution. So... Um, this is uh, really, really uh, important for voters to understand. And if you know people in these states, please do talk to them. Of course, obviously, on all these things, you can find all kinds of information online. But you see what the, I want you to notice the pattern, what the pro-abortion people are trying to do. They hid for 50 years behind the robes of the justices of the Supreme Court. They didn't have to debate abortion. They didn't have to defend it. All they had to do was invoke these activist judges who said, falsely, there's a constitutional right to abortion. And so the lawmakers who didn't want to deal with it could say, oh, but it's not my fault. Court took it out of my hands. The citizens who were in favor of abortion but didn't know how to defend it because it's indefensible, they didn't have to defend it. They just said, oh, the court has decreed. Yeah. And now that they can't hide behind the Supreme Court anymore, they want to find other courts to hide behind. They want to find other constitutions to sneak underneath and hide. They want to find other justices whose robes they can hide behind. And so they're going to the state constitutions. Let's put a right to abortion in there so that we won't have to debate it and defend it in the public arena. See, that's why it shows the other side are cowards. They have no arguments. Of course they don't. There's no justification for tearing a baby apart, limb from limb. So because they have no arguments, because there is no justification, they need a decree from on high. They can't engage in the public debate, in the legislative process. See, that's why Dobbs is so powerful, because it said, we're putting this back into the legislative process. 
where there's debates, there's hearings, there's amendments, there's, uh, you know, there's this back and forth and back and forth. Wendy is saying, I live in Louisville and there's a lot of pro-abortion ads on TV. I'm not surprised. You know what they do when they have these amendments, whether good ones like in Kentucky or bad ones like in California, Michigan, and Vermont, is that money pours in from all other parts of the country from the pro-aborts. And this money, it's seen one of the reasons why, understand why these pro-aborts, they, they prefer, when they're pushing on their end, they prefer to have these ballot measures rather than a law enacted in the legislature. And when they see the pro-life people doing one, they'll use the same tactics, which is that they have their slogans and they create their lies. One of the weaknesses of the ballot measure process, whether it's on our side or, or theirs, is that it's an artificial deadline and people all across the state can decide based on a slogan. Based on a slogan. They're taking away health care. You're not going to be able to get emergency medical uh, treatment. And they say all these other things. And based on slogans, you can, you can win one of these uh, ballot initiatives. The pro-abortion people can, can pull this off even if most of the people are pro-life, because they're so good at deceiving. And again, they'll pour in money from all around the country. They'll put these ads on, and this is, this, is the, this is the approach that they use. You see, it's not so easy when it's a legislative process, because in a legislative process, sure, you can have ads with that too. You can have slogans. But it's not like the person who was just deceived by the ad just goes in and votes yay or nay. The legislators have to vote, and before they vote, they get lobbied from people on both sides, and they spend hours in debate and in committees and reading documents and taking uh, interviews and cross-examining witnesses. You see, the process, in other words, gets beyond the slogans and gets down into the weeds of what is being proposed here and what is good for the people and what is bad for the people. It's the legislative process, friends that saves us. It's the legislative process that gets this right. And that's what the Supreme Court justices in the Dobbs case said is more effective than nine justices on the court deciding these kinds of questions. Um, Gene is saying these people are melodramatic uh, and a bit crazy. The ads, the commercials are so far out there. Uh, yes, they are. The ads both for the uh, uh, both for the these amendments and also for the candidates. Someone is saying they live in upstate New York, pray for us, and that Lee Zeldin will be your next governor. Isn't it amazing? I'm from New York originally, I think, as all, uh, most of you know. And um, this is so awesome that in New York, we have this uh, close, close race. And of course, Hochul is just... I mean, she wasn't elected, and she's just a disaster. I mean, I think you know the the, the comment she made the other night to uh, Zeldin in the in the debate. Uh, oh well, you know, I don't know why you're so concerned about this, you know, about crime. Well, maybe it's because he was attacked 
on a podium while he was campaigning. Maybe it was because while his children were, were home alone, there was a crime, a shooting committed uh, out, out in front of his house. Maybe that's why this is so important to him. Maybe that's why it's so important to all of us. Governor Hochul, what's the matter with you? Well, I'll tell you what's the matter with you. It's your whole party, the whole Democrat party. They're off the rails. They're off the track when it comes to crime. They're utter failures. They defund the police. They don't, they don't know the difference between a peaceful protest and a violent riot. We saw that during the summer of 2020, didn't we? I mean, it's just unbelievable. All right, let's see some of the other comments or questions that have come in. Um, yeah, so, so the um, governor's race in New York, as I said, that will be really, really great. Let's see some of the other comments that have come in uh, from before. Uh, thanks, Tim, uh, talking about my preaching and teaching. Uh, we're trying to get, uh, we're trying to train other uh Priests, of course, too, on to be confident in talking about these various issues because uh, many of them are not. And uh, my book, by the way, Proclaiming the Message of Life, I know that many of you are familiar with it, and it takes, um, uh, it's like a mini course for, for clergy and other preachers as well. Uh, takes them all through the readings from all the Sunday masses of the whole year, and it also uh, probes the abortion issue in a way that they understand what the people need to hear and how to approach them in a way that they will be uh, more and more receptive to uh, the message. Uh, I am going to um, also have here at Priest for Life a special uh, announcement about an, 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 a, uh, an expansion of one of our programs. You know, I was talking earlier in the program about the importance of being out in the in front of the abortion facilities. Well, that's something that I've done. You know, I've prayed in front of almost every abortion facility across the United States. I've had like a 30-year speaking tour so far, and no, not slowing down at all, uh, but from coast to coast, uh, praying um, uh, with uh, the people of God. And, uh, oh, yes, Gene is uh, reminding me, I was there in Harrisburg speaking about this very same thing, being out on the streets with the pro-life people. I was there in Harrisburg for the uh, pro-life rally and March for Life Pennsylvania. So Jean was there and uh, she said, it was great to talk to you for a couple of minutes. Thanks for being there. Absolutely. Thank you for being there and, and all the people that were there. You know, they had a pro-abortion rally I saw uh, some weeks later, just recently, in ha right on that same those same steps there of the Capitol in Harrisburg. And they had a really minuscule crowd. Are you surprised? Of course not sort of like the comparison between these Republican rallies for these candidates and then the Democrat candidates that can't even fill a small area. It's, it's pathetic. It really is. Uh, but, but, but the announcement I'm talking about is we're going to expand our, our, um, our efforts at uh, bringing people out on the streets. Uh, this is crucial. I'm doing it all the time. Other members of my team are doing it all the time. But you'll be seeing it more here on social media, too. Our praying in front of abortion facilities, our marching, our rallying, our holding signs out on the sidewalk, whether it's life change or face the truth towards, you know, there's all different kinds of public activism to bring the pro-life message out. And we are uh, going to be... Um, 
assigning some of our team members more responsibility for doing this all the time, fostering this activity, teaching people how to do this activity because there's particular ways of doing it. So expect to see more of, of that uh, Priests for Life right there out on the streets, right there. Uh, again, we've been doing it from the beginning of our ministry and I've been doing it nonstop, but we're, you'll, you'll see even more of it as the, um, uh, as the time, uh, here goes on. Cheryl, who is a faithful watcher of our program says, my dream is to meet you in person, father. Let's make that happen. Let's make that happen. Um, you know, friends, you can, you can, um, you can connect with me in a lot of different ways, not just in these programs. But if you call my office, you know, we have a very simple number here. 321 is our area code. That's because the rockets launch off just a few miles from us. So they count down. 321, liftoff. So 321 is our area code. And then our number is 500-1000. So if you call, our receptionists are ready to take your call. I say, hey, listen, Father Frank is talking to us on TV and and he uh, he says he wants to to meet up with, with us and he wants to be with us in our communities, I do. And then we can arrange for to see either when I'm already traveling near where you are or if we could set up an event with some of the local groups. But let me know. Let me know exactly uh, how we can uh, do that because I travel out on the road precisely for one reason and that is to be with all of you. Side by side, praying, witnessing, proclaiming the message of life and uh, encouraging those in the community, whether it's our legislators. There were so many legislators there in Pennsylvania at that rally. It was so great to see. I know a number of them. I was talking with them and they all got up there as a group, strong group of pro-life legislators. And it's true at these other rallies too, these pro-life marches around the country, but we're there to encourage them. We're there to encourage, of course, those who are ambivalent about abortion or may even be thinking of having an abortion. We're encouraging them to choose life. And we're encouraging all of you, the pro-life activists, to just not only persevere. Persevering is not enough. We've got to, we've got to double and triple our, our efforts. Um, upstate New York, Michael is saying, absolutely. I love upstate New York. Been up to many, many different parts of the state many times and look forward to come back again uh, to, uh, to, uh, to visit with all of you. I spoke in, uh, more downstate New York recently. I was speaking in, uh, in Westchester County where I grew up, spoke in Yonkers and, uh, but I'll be back. Uh, and uh, many of the pro-life groups upstate have had me in and will be happy to come in there once again. Uh, someone put in a request to Cardinal O'Malley. Let's see who is that saying, uh, Oh, Cheryl. Yes. Uh, uh, but I am ignored. Yeah, you know, it's amazing how many people say that when they're communicating with, whether it's pastors, bishops, uh, uh, cardinals, that, you know, I think there's something, of course, sometimes, you know, these people will say, oh, well, you know, we get so many communications, but I don't know that that's it. There's something about working for the unborn and standing for the unborn that ends up getting you treated like they are. You know what I mean? If you serve the unborn, if you stand with the unborn, you will be treated like them. 
And what's the main way? If you had to summarize in one word the main way that the unborn children are treated, what is that word? That's the word that you use, Cheryl. Ignored. They are the most ignored people on the face of the earth. Ignored so much that many think they don't even exist or that they're not even people. And we tend to get ignored, I think, for the really the very same reason. Um, okay, well, um, Mike is saying, let me read his comment here, the time to decide whether or not to even think about an abortion is before conception, not afterwards. Then it's too late. A baby, an innocent baby, dies. You know, Micah, one of the things about that very true statement uh, that I often point out to people is uh, they talk, when they try to justify abortion, some people are talking in such a way as if it is before conception, as if the baby doesn't exist. They'll say, well, you know, I can't, I can't bring a, ba- a child into the world right now. As if, the, as if that's the question. Well, well, you know, she shouldn't have to do this or she shouldn't have to be, bear that burden. She can't bring a child into the world right now. Well, what do you mean bring a child into the world? Abortion is not about that. Abortion is about throwing a child out of the world. People talk as if the child's not there. And as if it's some kind of theoretical argument about whether it's a good idea to have a baby right now. Even in the court decisions, you see the phrase, the decision about whether to beget or bear a child. That's the phrase that is used in many of these these Supreme Court and other court decisions on abortion. As if that's what this discussion is about. It isn't. It's not about the decision whether to bear or beget a child. What are you talking about? The child is already there. It's a question of whether to destroy a child, not to bear or beget. That's a whole different set of considerations. Sometimes, obviously, we agree a thousand percent. There are so many people, they should not be mothers. They're too young to be mothers. They're too immature to be mothers. Or mothers who maybe they are mature, they are old enough, but they already have enough children, or they don't have the support system, or they don't have the economics. None of us deny that. Well, the question is not whether to have another child. The question is whether to kill a child. My goodness. Margaret, so good point. Yeah, Mike, we have to keep stressing that. Margaret is saying, I have been blessed to be with you in San Francisco, Father, on our 40 Days March, took pictures with you. Ah, wonderful. You know, I love these, these pictures. I have so many, I have a gigantic photo album. I'm, I'm getting my staff to put them all on our website. We have many of them on our website and on my different social media accounts, and uh, we want to put them all up there. But, uh, you know, the photos, it's a great encouragement to me to look back Uh, There's so many photos that I have, and of course, all of you uh, have even more uh, put together from all my trips. And it's a great encouragement. We are in this movement together, and uh, being together is a great way to uh, uh, increase that encouragement. So thanks, friends, for spending some time with me here tonight. Uh, uh, Let's continue on towards this election uh, one week from tomorrow. 
get as many people to vote as possible. Oh, I want to give you an invitation. Some of you may have seen my eight o'clock program tonight, and I made this invitation, but I want to repeat it to you. Thursday night, we're going to have a chance to chat with Winsome Sears. She is the Lieutenant Governor of Virginia. She is one of these up and coming uh, stars in the uh, Republican Party, just a great, tremendous America first uh, leader. And uh, she's going to spend some time with us on a Zoom call that I want to invite you to be on as well. It's going to be Thursday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. You can sign up at ProLifeVolunteer.com. ProLifeVolunteer. That's the page where people tell us, oh, I want to help with the elections. And, you know, we've been having these... um, uh, we've been having these uh, trainings uh, each week via Zoom. If you haven't been on any of them, that's okay. You, you can still join us for this final one before Election Day. And then we're going to continue them. Because you know what's going to happen right after November 8th, right? We're going to be in the 2024 presidential election mode. Is President Trump going to declare that he's going to run? Yes. Is he going to run? Yes. Is he going to win the nomination? Yes. Is he going to win the presidency? Yes. He's going to be the 47th president of the United States. And uh, if God, so long as God preserves his health, uh, let me tell you, he has every, every, uh, not only every intention of running and winning, but he, he has the capacity to do so. And he's got the momentum on his side to do so. And we're certainly ready to support him in doing so. Um, are there other great candidates uh, on the Republican side? You know, that's the great benefit. We, we, we've got a lot of great people who could, could run for president and, and we could easily support. Democrats have nobody. But the good people on the Republican side who could run and be great presidents in the mold of President Trump aren't going to run against President Trump. The point is he's got a lock on the nomination and uh, he intends to pursue it. So I think right, it's, I think that the presidential race is going to um, uh, start up pretty immediately after next week's election. Pretty immediate, probably more immediately than we've seen happen in the past. Let me say one more thing. Linda is talking about election integrity. I'm going to talk about this on my uh, Praying for America sh- program also in the coming days. Election integrity is critically important, and it should be a motivating factor for us to vote, not a discouraging factor. Uh, Understand what I mean. Let me make this point, and I want to ask you to pass this on to others in these final days before Election Day, especially if you know anybody who's been sitting it out or plans to sit it out because they don't trust the election process. Look, the fact that there have been problems, there could be problems, will be problems with election integrity, is all the more reason to vote. Because to the extent that there are errors, to the extent that there are deliberate manipulations of the vote, we've got to drown that out. You, You know, you can only do that to a certain degree. We've got to have so many people come out that it overwhelms that margin of error or that margin of lack of integrity, if you want to call it that. Number two, 
If we were in a system where you know, Stalin regime, where you know the 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 the, the dictators in control, you know, determined everything about the elections. Well, then obviously, I mean, you come to a point in the in the in the in the uh, the mutation of an electoral system where truly there is no point in coming out to vote. But we're not under Stalin. We're not at that point. Yeah, things have deteriorated. Things are are bad. But you know, we also have a situation here where where the system still does work and people still do vote and votes still do count and, 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 and large majorities make a difference. We're not in the point over here under Stalin and, and absolutely there's no value in voting whatsoever. No, it works. And, and, and this is where, you know, it's up to us to, to, to determine how, whether that decay is going to continue or whether we're going to turn it around. And here's the good thing to keep in mind. First of all, awareness. The more awareness there is about election integrity, and there is the awareness this time around is through the roof. I mean, this is not 2020. This is 2022. People are more aware of this than ever before. And the more you're aware of the possibility of problems, that automatically introduces a measure of security. Plus, that awareness over these last two years has brought about over 100 measures taking taking a uh, place in about 41 states almost every state Mat- uh, measures towards election integrity very 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 profound plus you know it's harder to fool with a midterm election cuz you got you know you don't have like one person running for for president you've got many different candidates in many different places and yeah, a midterm election is 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 harder to mess with than uh, than a presidential election. There's a lot of factors in our favor. We have to be vigilant. A lot of people, a lot of people are signing up to be poll workers, poll watchers, poll judges. That's good. Maybe some of you are doing that. Let's have confidence. Let's be vigilant. Let's be alert. Let's be aware. Let's know the problems. But let's also know that solutions are in the works and that the biggest solution is you get out and vote and you bring as many other people with you as possible. Overwhelm the system. Deliver not just a victory, but an absolutely convincing and overwhelming victory for what is right. Well, let's pray the Lord's Prayer together and I'll give you a blessing. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thanks, friends, for being with me. Let's give you a blessing. The Lord be with you. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, we'll be in contact with you. Uh, Join you for Mass tomorrow for All Saints Day, 10 a.m. Eastern Time. And then again for the Praying for America program, 8 p.m. tomorrow night. God bless you, friends. Father Frank Pavone here from Priests for Life. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. 
To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.